Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you'll lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much. And who are, we, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the Jailhouse. <clears throat> I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own I, I'm not called to chart my own course I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it I'm called to follow Him I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior I'm called to let His mind be formed in me his life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. Run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus. Run! Run from churches where men and not Christ are glorified. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run! Run from preachers that stand and tell stories and jokes. Run like you've never run before. Good day, wherever you may be. This is Tom Richardson with the Removing Confusion podcast. It is December the 5th, 2023. It's been a while since I've been able to get on, to, uh, uh, on here and, and do another show or another podcast, however you want to look at it. Um, ministry deals, uh, family deals, uh, and... It, there's no excuse, but, uh, you know, there are things that get into a priority situation. You'll notice I don't, I don't do this for pay. <laughs> so every once in a while you might have a little bit of a lag in there between, you know, when I get to uh, do one. But, you know, I enjoy it. And I love sharing the Word of God. Now, when uh, throughout that opening segment that I play there, that last guy, Carter Conlon, he did a, a that was he did that sermon right after nine eleven. I think it was actually the week after nine eleven, and 
he hit that he hit the nail on the head you know we spend a lot of time in churches where there's more of an entertainment factor going on than there is anything and i'm not here to entertain you um there are there are those who are dead set against any kind of teaching because they be they believe that uh, all you got to do is get to that magic part of the room and say the prayer that they guide you through and then you go back to your life as as if nothing's changed something should change the gospel of jesus christ tells us in john chapter 3 and i've been studying this one very deeply because i know there's more to everything in the bible than what you get when you go to your local church in there you'll find that being born again means being remade in the image of God, in the image of Jesus, following the way that he took himself down the the pathway of life. Unfortunately, there's been this constant flow of uh, just do the the least you can do. I, I know people like this. I just want to get in. I don't care about crowns. I don't care about this. I don't care about that. I just want to get in. So they don't witness. They, they, they talk to their brethren about Jesus. That's fine. But, you know, when you get outside the walls of the church, things get a little bit foggy. You, you, you wouldn't be able to tell if they were Christian or not. This is what we call in the Bible carnal Christians. We're going to cover that today. I'm going to play an older clip here. This is, um, I'll let, I'll let the, uh, I'll let the speaker do it. And this is from sermon audio. I, I swiped it. See if I can get it to work here. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. Never have there been so many millions of nominal Christians as there are today. And never has there been such a small percentage of real believers. Never has Christendom been so crowded with those who have a form of godliness, but who are strangers to its transforming power. We seriously doubt whether there has ever been a time in the history of this Christian era when there are such multitudes of deceived souls within the churches, who truly believe that all is well with their souls, when in fact the wrath of God abides on them. It is not that those empty professors who call themselves Christians are all conscious hypocrites. Rather, are they deceived souls? The tragic thing is that in most churches there is nothing in the preaching which is at all calculated to undeceive them. 
Instead, there is only that which bolsters them up in their delusion. There is a large class in Christendom today who are satisfied with a bare profession. They have heard some of the fundamentals of the Christian faith and have given an intellectual assent thereto, and they mistake that for a saving knowledge of the truth. Their minds are instructed, but their hearts are not reached, nor their lives transformed. They are still worldly in their affections and ways. There is no real subjection to God, no holiness of walk, no fruit for Christ's glory. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. There we are. That was uh, that was from a guy by the name of Arthur W. Pink that put that together. Uh, I don't know if that was in one of his books or an actual sermon that he had given during his lifetime. But he speaks very plainly about nominal Christians. Uh, the Apostle Paul used a different term in Romans 8 chapter 8 of Romans, verse numbers 6 and 7. And we will read those as we sit here. For the car- for to be carnally minded is death, and to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We'll just take that verse as we look at it. I pray that you have your Bible open, or sometime during today, you open it and look at these verses. Do not allow someone to tell you, oh, it's okay, just go out and do your own thing. You said the prayer, it's all good. Uh, We'll see in heaven. There's way more to salvation than just being able to mantra a set of words after someone. People who are broken by the, the sin that they have been made aware of through the law of God. It is the, and we're, there it is right here in verse number seven, because the carnal mind is enmity, enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Boom. These things, my friend Mike and I go back and forth on, and we try not, I I know, I'm not trying to be judgmental, because you can get accused of that in a heartbeat. But you've got to think that there is a very heavy price that has been paid for you to acquire eternal life, for you to have salvation from the ugliness of sin. And that is the blood of Jesus Christ poured out, poured out at the cross. The, the weight of sin that was 
dumped upon him. People get confused when they read that he went to the garden and he said, you know, if it all be, can I, can this cup pass from me? But not my will, but yours be done. What is he saying? He's not, he's not trying to get out of going to the cross. He knows the mind of men and he knows the hearts of men that, you know, he is giving himself as a living sacrifice and, you know, there's people that say, well, you even questioned God. No, he did not. He was talking about the weight of sin that was about to be dumped on it. Can we go past that, Lord? And <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But we know that Jesus did the will of his Father. He did not go with his human side will, even though I believe if he did, he would do what he was supposed to because he always went to the Father. He knew that at the cross, his Father would have to turn his back on him because of the rank amount of sin that would fall upon him. God cannot abide sin. If you think you can go out And this is very difficult because the world is full of carnal pleasures. And it doesn't have to be sex all the time either. It's just, you know, all kinds of junk. You know, you you may think that I can just use the, the verbiage that I want to you're not doing yourself any good. You you look stupid when you curse and carry on. You, you, uh, you have the temper that you cannot keep a leash on. That's a carnal mind, and we all have that slip in because of the flesh, because of the old nature that still clings to us. Over in Romans 6, verse number 1, let me get my Bible up here. 6, verse 1, I got in 7 for some reason. What shall we say then? Are we to to continue in sin so that grace may abound? Now, I'm reading from the New American Standard because I didn't have my King James right here. May it never be, verse 2. May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? And the whole chapter of uh, Romans 6 kind of goes back and forth through that. In the King James, I like it. He says, God forbid, not just shall it never be. There's sometimes I don't like the newer translations because of their changing certain things. I'm not one of those KJV only guys either. And that'll get me in all kinds of hot water with some folk. But, the, the idea here that I'm shooting for is we're not, we're not destined to be sinners, you know, rank living in sin sinners. We're not supposed to be. And it's difficult. I know God forbid that we should have this love affair and relationship with sin. Know you not that so many of us 
as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that we, that, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we shall also, we, we also, I'm sorry, we also should walk in newness of life. What is that saying? That goes back to John chapter 3, verses 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 about the new birth, the new birth. You have been born again. You're not supposed to, you know, wallow in the same garbage that you wallowed before. Now, as a newborn babe, you will make those mistakes. And I know people are newborn babes, and they've been born again, supposedly, for many, many, many years, decades even. They can't find their way around the Bible. Simple stuff. Go to John chapter 4. Now, you know, I know some folks get older and they get, you know, things start to happen. But I know folks that are way old and they just zoom right through it. Listen, when you want to play in the sin game, and I, you know, there, there's, there's a faction, a large faction of people out there who will tell you that it's okay because at one point back when you were a 10-year-old, you made a profession of faith for Christ. But when you go back into the world, you're not, you know, you say you get out of the church at 15, 16, just jump right back in, drinking, smoking, pot, and sex outside marriage. You know, God's only going to take so much of that. And you can trick yourself. I've been there. You can trick yourself into anything. Oh, I'm not going to hell because preacher told me so. You know, preacher Jones down here said it's all right. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Romans 1, 26 and following. And likewise also the man, the men, leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one towards another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their heir, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Listen to that, folks. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Once God gives you over, I think you're in trouble. There's always a way back, but you've you've really gone to a point where... Uh, it's going to be very difficult to shake the world off of you. Being filled with all unrighteousness and fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, 
full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. I've had people, you know, know, there's a, there's a, there's a, a commandment about honor your mother or honor your father and mother or honor your parents so that you will live long on the earth. And there are people who don't know that. They don't know that particular verse. And they try to tell you, oh, you're taking that out of context. I don't think so. I just read it. I mean, I didn't read it, but, I, you know, it's there. Those who know their Bible, even nominally, know that you're supposed to do these things. Um, th- that's very hard-hitting, though. God gave them over. Think about that. There's also the verse, I believe, in, in 2 Thessalonians, where it says, God gave them their delusions. Listen. Throughout history, this has gone on and on and over and over. The people of God in Israel, they... They were, they were to follow God, but then they decided, let us do our own thing. We'll kind of obey the law. My, my uh, best example is every seven years, they were supposed to let the ground fallow, let it sit there and rest. It was a, sabbat- a sabbatical, yeah, or a Sabbath for the, the land. They were supposed to have enough saved up to make it through that seventh year. But they found a way around that and started selling, you know, probably for for a certain amount of the grain or the corn or whatever what was being grown. They would get their neighbors around, those ones in the nations that they weren't supposed to deal with, to go ahead and plant for them. They, they, they would rent out their land to these heathens and they would, you know, get what they needed from them. Now, you think God doesn't know what you're doing. And there's, you know, the thing of it is, is I heard a guy say this just the other day, and I give him a lot of credit for it, where he said, your sin, you, just because you're sinning, it, it, it affects other people. He was in Daniel chapter 6, where the sins of the uh, uh, other leaders that turned Daniel in for praying their sin, their 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 uh, uh, transgression against Daniel, whom Darius loved, uh, ended up getting them thrown into the lion's den, and their family, and their children. And people have a hard time with that. They don't understand why does that happen. Well, first of all, that's the heathen way, but it's also the way God had people do. He said, "Go into these places, wipe them all out." The uh, iniquity of the Amorites had reached its full apex as far as God was concerned in those certain places back in the Older Testament. But here you also have the, the abs, the, you know, if you throw the, the, the man in and he's chomped up by the lions, his kids are going to hold that against that king. That king knows that. And he says, I'm going to show you all. And I'll guarantee you, you'd be hard-pressed to find a group 
of uh, other princes or whatever of these whoever was the the guys that took their place you'd be hard pressed to find any of them that say oh yeah i'm going i'm going to turn daniel in for something no you're not because your entire family will pay these are these are the heathens now but that that particular king god had picked and put where he was he was the medo persian that was a rabbit trail but it's the same deal. Look, you can't just willful run around willy-nilly sinning as you want. It will have an effect. Here, it has an effect directly on you because it says God turned them over. This is a group of people. But you know what? Uh, say you do have kids. And let's just take the man-on-man, woman-on-woman thing out of it because that's that always becomes the... The issue, oh, you're just, it's about homosexuals. It's all about them. No, it's not. Uh, this is just about sin, period. There are people, uh, you know, you're, you got little ones coming up there behind you, don't you? Some of them. Some of them, you know, you got, you, you know, if you're, you, you want to cl- commit adultery, say, because, you know, that, that girl at the office is just eyeballing you and you can't help it. You know, she's, she's giving you the, 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 come on, man. You know, it's, it's, it's time and, and you fall for it. You know, you meeting up at the bar after work or whatever, you know, I'm using an example, but you know, it happens folks. It happens. You have to live your life as a Christian in a spiritual aspect. You really should. I mean, that's what we're here for. We're here to do what is right. When I had a friend of mine who gave a story when he was way younger, 40, 44, 40 or so years ago, of, you know, he, he was a single man, but he'd been saved and he was saving himself. I mean, he already made all kinds of mistakes, but he says, I'm reborn. I'm a, I'm a new person creature in christ and there was a lady that was kind of you know hitting on him she was divorced and whatnot she wanted him to do something for her her car wasn't working or whatever and he said no i can't do it i'll get somebody to look and i won't you know i'm I'm not going to leave you hanging but you know i'll get somebody to take a look at your car because he knew in his spirit that there was something up that maybe Satan was getting ready to pull a fast one or the devils, whatever. And he, he backed out. But a lot of people don't. And they get caught in a trap like the fly in the spider web. Now, um, having said that, why did I say that? Well, it's because I was talking, you're giving you, uh, I like to give the scenarios without just going into long, drawn-out stories. We have to be very careful because there's always an enemy somewhere. Now, I'm not saying people are the enemy. It's just that, you know, the, uh, the adversary of our soul is constantly trying to take us down. Don't let somebody tell you you can sin willfully and it's okay. It is not. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 will be our next foray into some things. 
I'd also like to just throw this out there for the uh, sake of doing it. I got a note here somewhere. Been writing sermons to cover me all the way up to Christmas. And now I don't see what I was looking for. Anyway, um, 1 Corinthians, or yeah, let's do this. 1 Corinthians, well, I get ahead of myself, I'll make a mess here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now, when you're first born, again, looking even as you're first born from your mother's womb, you don't know how to do anything. And it's the same with a babe in Christ. Some people, I mean, they come out, they read the Bible, and they're real deep, and you know, then they, they want to be a preacher. I did. I did have a calling on my life, and I'm using it. But I didn't jump right into the pulpit somewhere and try to, you know, be the guy, you know. So you get the idea. A newborn Christian is equated to a newborn baby. You wouldn't give a newborn baby a piece of, you know, sirloin steak to eat. They eat milk. They drink milk or or soft food. And that's what Paul's telling them. They are still fairly carnal. Uh, verse 2, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 2. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. He's telling them still again. You know, there's, there's your full analogy. I've fed you with milk, something easy to take down, and not meat because you choke on it. Now, what does that mean? It just means that he's giving them the simplicity of the gospel. As we can see as they go along in these letters to the Corinthians, things get a little bit more in depth. But he's telling them, you know, when I first got to you, I didn't just drop every bit of everything on you. He, he gave them the cross. He gave them the uh assurance of their salvation these kinds of things and how that they would know they were saved and how to get saved and how to live this life outside of all this carnality first corinthians 3 3 says for ye are yet carnal but whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions are ye not carnal and walk as men So what's he saying there? You're still living that life in the flesh. There's people among you who are envying each other. There's division and there's, there's you know, disputation, strife. People in churches, this goes on all the time. This is one of the major things in churches that blows them apart. Families take over and then you have the grow and grow which is fine but then all you got to do is have that dispute between two and you you blow a church apart 
It should not happen. And it's always carnal. There's all kinds of stuff that wrecks churches because people walk as men. They don't walk as Christ walked. Here's a an interesting verse right here. This is, this is one of the things that blows churches apart. And while one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, Apollos, are you not carnal? Look, these men had a shared office. But there were people who wanted to say, oh, no, I'm, I'm from Paul. And the others, no, I'm from Paulos. You know, I have planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. 1 Corinthians 3, 6. Paul even talks about how he was fortunate in his own right that he didn't do any baptizing of people except for three. And that's good, because then people would really be like, I got baptized by Paul. There is no other foundation that a man can lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, 11. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Now, there you go. That's, I've, I've used this verse before in a, in a teaching about, you know, going to the judgment seat of Christ. And there's people that will argue, and that, that's not what I'm talking about. It is. Uh, you, you, you build your life. You build the foundation of your life and your eternal life by the good gospel deeds that you do not not just that you did good things for people and blah 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 but you know you built your life on the foundation of christ that is gold and silver and precious stones jesus is the gold and the silver the gold which is it never decays it never rusts silver which is a picture of salvation Precious stones, that is what is the walls of heaven, has all the precious stones, 12 different layers of them. And then there's wood, hay, and stubble. Things that you think you're doing, oh, I mowed the grass at the church, or I painted the church, or, you know, I I laid carpet, or whatever. These are all good things. These are all things. But did they get someone saved? Did they bring the gospel deeper to those who are saved? Did you try to help build up the the brethren? You can't do that by mowing the grass. You can't do that by wiping windows or cleaning toilets. Those things need to be done, yes. But are they a ministry of the gospel? No, they are not. They're a ministry of the building. Now, people are going to not like that because of what we've said all along throughout the years. That, you know, everybody's got a ministry, and they do. But your ministry of 
cleaning and and mowing and building on the building, yeah, they may make it look better and there may be more people come in, sure. But it's wood, hay, and stubble. It's not a firm foundation of the gospel. Even driving the van and bringing people in. It's good that somebody does it. We need them. But we need people who are in the outreach committee, the people who get out. And then we have those that we honestly need people to build up the saints that are in because I'm telling you, there's so many churches that Mr. Pink talked about. They're nominal. The entire church, even up to the pulpit, what you get from the pulpit is what you'll see in the pews. Every man's work shall be made manifest. It shall be seen. For the day shall declare it, the day of Christ, the day of judgment, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If a man's work abide, then he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If a man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. The old saying that some of us are going to get in with the smell of smoke on us, and you'll get Baptist preachers that will argue about that one, but they they tough. You know, it's not a parade when you get to heaven. It is Jesus Christ and him on the throne that you will come face to face with. Don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? That's 1 Corinthians 3.16. See, when you go through these chapters of the Bible, you know, there's so much and, it, and sometimes, you know, these writers, they went through and they flipped from one thing to the next so quick you didn't pick it up. But you are a temple of God, the temple of the Holy Ghost. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Let no man deceive you, if any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. God knows the hearts of men. He knows the thoughts of the wise, and they are vain. That's 1 Corinthians 3.20, with a little extra that I added on there. Listen, this is serious business. Don't let these hacks tell you living your life the way you want to is the way to go, because it's not. You live the way God wants you to. God has paid a lot for us to have salvation and eternal life. I've said that already. I just said it again. 
looking for a verse real quick. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where he talks about um, an earnest payment. I didn't have this in my notes. Right here it is. 5 5. 2 Corinthians 5 5. Now he that hath wrought us for the self same thing is God, who hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. That word earnest. If you've ever bought a, a, a house or even a car, big, big ticket items for the most part, they always want you to put money down a down payment. That word earnest in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, is speaking of the down payment that God has made into you of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost has come to live within you. The Holy Spirit has taken up residence. And God, that's his down payment on your eternal life. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, drawing close to an end here today. I know it's the, the Christmas season, and you don't want to sit around looking at your computer or whatever you pick us up on, but I am so glad that I've been able to come back and do a, a little talk with us i learn a lot as well when we go through these things some of this stuff the holy ghost just brings to you as you as you trample along and i think it's good that i i learn as well as you do i do, i don't i don't preach to myself i've often said there's there should be a a mirror in front of me so that i understand that I'm, I need this as bad as anybody else does, maybe more. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 4. It's talking about those weapons of warfare. I love to talk about weapons of warfare. You know, in Ephesians 6, we, we have the armor of God. And this kind of ties into that, but here we are. Let me go with chapter Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. And who knows, I might read more. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. A lot of things happen in our lives to stir us up in the wrong way. People have a tendency to do that. We're around them all the time. It can mean be your husband, your wife, your nephew, your cousin, or people that you associate with, church, or wherever. There's always somebody stirring the pot somewhere and trying to cause trouble. But we don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing 
that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Go back and review Romans chapter 1 that we read earlier. Not about it's not about the sexual things, but all the other stuff, backbiting, gossiping, you know, all those things that fit into there, maliciousness, and all, yeah, I forget them all, but envy and strife. We need to do away with that. We are in what I believe the last days of planet Earth. And I know people will say, I've been hearing about that for 60, 70, 80 years. Well, guess what? You're closer now than you were the first time you heard it then. <clears throat> we need to disassociate with those ideas of fighting against people, getting better, getting the upper hand, all that stuff. It just doesn't work. Jesus taught us through the Gospels that we need to take up our cross daily, he even said. Put yourself to death. Put that mortal, that 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 uh, man, the old man nature, putting to death. Just, uh, just get rid of them. It's trouble. It will always be trouble. You put something on a cross, it didn't come back down. It was nailed there. It stayed there until it was dead. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross, and he hung there until he was dead. He had no old man nature to get rid of. He was perfect. We definitely do. And that's who he is talking about. That old man nature needs to hit that cross and die because he is always dragging, or she, okay, dragging us down. So, this, all the, you know, self, self-esteem, self this, self, God don't teach that. He says, put that to death. Put to death worldly pleasures. The old saying about money is the root of all evil. No, the love of it is. The love of it is. Uh, some of these different versions say the uh, root of all root of root. <laughs> the love of money is a root of all evil. Some of them say all kinds of evil. I just go with all evil. It's all evil. It it rolls you into evil because you've become so enamored with getting ahead, making more money. Buying the new purse, the new car, the new motorcycle, whatever it may be. Going so deep in debt that you can't dig your way out and you can't feed yourself. And you have to work till you're 90. 60, 70 hours a week just to make it. As we get older, we should get smarter. And don't let some slick-tongued devil sell you the easy-peasy, Japanesey, greasy grace gospel. Did Paul seem to have a real easy way as he went? 
He loved everything that came his way because he knew it was because of the cause of Christ that he was beaten, that he was jailed, that he went through the all the things that he went through. Peter, same way. Jesus, it says, with joy went to the cross, he, even to endure the cross. Hebrews chapter 12. So we need to understand that we are going to go through things. We are going to have to de- deal with uh, people. They're around us all over. Put everything up to the glory of God. That's what we're called to do. Don't let all the pain and strife steal your joy. Live your life as a new creature in Christ. Oh, I'm a traveler. Because you are a traveler and you're not close to home yet. We'll get there one day. Amen. Until next time, Tom Richardson, December the 5th, 2023. Giving it to you as straight as I can. Walk with God. Streets of gold. Yes, there's a day coming soon where the old will be made new and heaven's glory shines like the morning before our eyes. When we all see Jesus, when we all see Jesus, no more sickness, no more madness, no more Thank you.